Hi guys, this is Laura. Um, we're just going to put a trig warning on this one for a brief mention of suicide and for discussion of incest. So please take care of yourselves and be well. Ah, Cornelius Agrippa. My dear Victor, do not waste your time upon this. It is sad trash. Hey, look, it's, hey, a, look, butterfly. it's a butterfly. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> All right. I'm eating a chip. Welcome, everyone. It's October. It's Reading Rainbow. Yep. A podcast where we talk about books you had to read in school and talk about why we had to read them. You may notice that we're going a little speedy. Yeah. Because we have a challenge. You may remember last episode, Ooh. we were like, let's let's try and do under 45 minutes, and that didn't work out. You yeah. Know? I think we went to like 54 minutes, and we, listen, we just had a lot to say. We have so many thoughts. Sorry, y'all. Can't, we can't be contained. But this time, I have in front of me a timer. And we Ooh. are already <laughs> at 47 seconds. I started even a little Wait, late. Wait, what? So I think oh, we're my even gosh. Further. Okay. Yeah. And so we are going to freaking do our darndest. And like, and also, I'm going to keep track during throughout the podcast. So you're going to know when I edit this, you're going to be like, we're already at 23 minutes, but only 15 seconds oh have passed. Gosh. Well, I've cut out a lot of shit. Okay? Yeah. So... It was going to be ruthless. You're gonna, Listen, you're going to yeah. lose all these tangents, all these good, good, organic asides for the sake of uh, time. Yeah. So buckle up because we're at <laughs> one minute and 30 seconds. Put your helmets and on. And let's go. We're off to the okay. races. What has happened in the month of October? Uh, it feels like it's been three months since we last recorded. Um, Honestly. I, so I can't even remember last time what was going on well, in the world well what happened this month what hasn't happened mostly sad stuff but you know yeah. we got we sprinkled in some good stuff at the very end so we're gonna start with october 19th uh ruth bader ginsburg passed mm, away yeah oh okay wait i said october 19th that was september 19th i thought because i was gonna say she died six days ago i was like kind of questioning oh my God. but i really did amazing i really didn't think much about it i was like oh that's weird <laughs> You're like, all right, I'll, I'll allow it. Um, September 23rd, the verdict for the Breonna uh, Taylor case was announced, and there was no justice. Mm-hmm. Super uncool. And then the last and third piece of news that we have that's kind of good, kind of bad, um, is Trump, who got yeah. COVID, announced on October 1st, and then he got over it. Or quote unquote got over it. We don't know. We've never seen yeah. any negative tests, but whatever. And also, the elections are coming up, and they're going to pass by the yeah. time this thing airs. Please vote. I have mm-hmm. voted. I did a mail-in ballot. I live in Colorado, so I'm allowed to do that. So did I. I did mine back in September because um, Wisconsin sent them out pretty early. Yeah, I actually have a current current event. It is snowing here. Woo! It's snowing here I think. too. Let me go look at this window, y'all. This is a real. This is real life reporting. Oh my gosh, it is. It's like fine dusting. It looks like dandruff falling from the sky, and I don't think it's accumulating yet, but it is frozen water. Up in here. Up in here. So, ooh, and it's floating, like fluff. It's 
suspended like little dusty things okay christmas christmas <laughs> i don't know i have a cute story when i was a kid and it was snowing i would tell my dad hey dad we're in a snow globe right now someone shook it up <laughs> whenever mm-hmm. it snowed oh child like innocence ah i remember when i it could no. snow without us thinking about the election <laughs> And also global warming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope, I don't remember that at all. Anyway, nope. next order of business. <laughs> um, one good piece of news, at least, is that there's this Hulu adaptation of Interior Chinatown. So Interior Interior Chinatown is a novel by Charles Yu. And I've talked about this before because I read it this summer on this podcast. It is an unconventional novel. Like, it's kind of a screenplay and it's kind of breaks the fourth wall but it really tackles a lot of asian american like tropes that we perceive in the media and turns them on their head and it really tries to break down like how little space asian americans have to exist on screen and it's a pretty interesting novel and i'm kind of confused on how it's going to be <laughs> portrayed in on tv but it's uh but you know what that's not my job my job is just to watch you know? yeah that's i'm a consumer <laughs> yeah i don't gotta adapt shit yeah i am not that i'm not doing that so that's really cool oh i also have some news that i learned today do you want to hear it okay so leverage okay wait today again with the snow and it's cold and it's gray i really just want to be watching like old tv shows one of my favorite old tv shows is leverage have you seen that one i've never heard of leverage oh my gosh it's really fun it's like about a team of five people that um they're all different types of grifters or thieves so one is like really good at acting one is really good at um like being stealthy and like stealing stuff from safes and like doing acrobats. So like to put it in a lame way, it's kind of like now you see me. Like in a but like I don't know that much cooler. I don't know that one. <laughs> oh, and now you see me. There's they're also they're like magicians, but also yeah. like it's basically yeah a heist. Thieves. It's a every it's a heist every episode. Yeah, it was like mm-hmm. airing in like the early. It was like twenty two thousand nine to two thousand thirteen or something. Um. Anyway, it's getting a reboot. That's the news. I'm so excited. I love it. Woohoo! And it's filming in New Orleans. <laughs> of course. That's the new hot. That's the new LI. Yeah, LI. That and Atlanta. Because mm-hmm. guess what? LA's just getting too crowded. There's no public transportation. And everyone's cranky there. And it's going to sink into the ocean soon. So you know mm. what? We got to set it. Actually, you know what? Louisiana's not really any better. They're also probably going to sink into the ocean pretty soon. But we got Atlanta. Yep. So it's not sustainable. We gotta set our sights on other places, like yeah. a different LA, and that's right, Louisiana, and that's right, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. That's right, NOLA, N O L A, and NOLA. Um, now let's move on. Okay, we're at eleven minutes and fifty-two seconds. Oh my gosh! Woo! We're doing great. We're killing it. We're yeah. killing the game. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Listen, you can always. This is for the listeners. You can always speed me up at like one point two times yeah. and i bet they would never notice i bet unless you talk really fast like this in which case that part if they sped it up times yeah. two would be in like unlegible 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 absolutely like, unlegible. hearing wise yeah 
I think, wait, okay. I've listened to podcasts on like double speed, you know, because you just don't have time sometimes. Yeah. And I can, you gotta go fast, Sonic fast. Yeah. It depends on the person, but sometimes you can't tell until they laugh because then they'll go blah, 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 blah. And you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> that was too much. All right. Um, next, we're going to move on to our BLM segment. I will start. Okay, so for my individual black voice that I would like to amplify... It's October, also known as Inktober, which I've been participating Ooh. in. I am no artiste, but I have been doodling because I'm like, you know, if you want to get better at something and or just like do something, you should probably practice it on the regular. So I'm not good enough to like freestyle any sketches, so I usually copy off of people I plagiarize as one does. But on Instagram, I found this one account. Um, the person's name is Wit Manga. Or, like, that's the account's name, and it's at W-H-Y-T-M-A-N-G-A. And this person posts a bunch of tutorials on how to draw certain types of characteristics, specifically for characters that are black. And so that has been super fun. Um, And I will post the handle in our episode notes. Okay, Laura, your turn. Mm -hmm. Okay, my individual um, is Felissa Thompson, who is a black disabled activist, a social worker, a creator. She posts a lot about disabled like activism news and like her own conferences and her own events. Um, and it has really, I guess, just helped me focus my attention more on those issues and those events um, and have that be visible in my everyday life. Um, because I think... We've talked about this, how when someone is trying to become woke, you know, like there's a lot of pressure to learn a lot of things at like one time. Um, But I think that it's okay to take a step back and like accept that you're going to have to learn stuff over time, like a bit by bit. Mm -hmm. And like you're you're not going to be able to change all of your views at once. I mean, that's great if you can, but like some things just Mm -hmm. take repetition, you know? Yeah. So I would recommend anybody who wants to learn more about – those different intersectional causes to follow her and check her out. Okay. Organizations. A lot has been happening in Nigeria mm-hmm. having to do with SARS, which at first you yeah. and I were like, SARS, like the flu. Oh my gosh. I rampant know. again. But no, SARS is the special anti-robbery squad. So the special anti-robbery squad was put in place to protect civilians from armed robbers. Instead, they extort, harass, attack, and kill innocent Nigerians. Very uncool. I'm sure there's a lot more history behind that, but that's, like, Mm -hmm. the general gist. So I was looking at various places to donate, and one of them I found on GoFundMe called Diasporans Against SARS. I still have a lot more research to look into because I don't know that much. One, about Nigeria, and then about this specific situation in general. But I do have a fun fact, unrelated, and it's going to take up some time. Did you know that Nigeria, or at least this was true like three years ago when I took an intro to film class, Mm. Nigeria um, produces the most films every year. Yeah, they have their own name for like their, um, it's called Dollywood, like for their film industry. I don't know if Dollywood is a place, but they do have, they refer to it as Nollywood. Or if it's like Bollywood, like. Yeah. Just like a concept. Yeah. Yeah. So who the fricky frack knew? I didn't. Yeah. America ain't ate and exposing us to that Mm-mm. guess i gotta expose my fail but i learned that from chimamada ngozi adichie she does the the ted talk the danger of a single story so i think she mentions nollywood in that one not to shame you i'm just mentioning it 
That's my touchstone. Laura, are you undermining me? Are we about to fight right now on our podcast, taking up significant you know, I'm just time so that we contentious. could be talking about our book? You know I just love conflict, and I love confronting people. <laughs> well, we'll get in that, into that another time, but okay. right now, we gotta well, we're go. we're not on a timer. What's your organization, Laura? <laughs> Mine is um, diversebooks.org. That is the URL. Uh, the organization name is We Need Diverse Books. So this is a nonprofit that I'll, I'm bringing from the website. It is a grassroots mm-hmm. organization of children's book lovers that advocates essential changes in the publishing industry to produce and promote literature that reflects and honors the lives of all young people. So they work to get books that reflect people from diverse and marginalized backgrounds in schools, and they try to support authors who want their work published that will represent those kinds of characters and those kinds of stories. So it kind of ties into that uh, Chimamanda story you're talking about, yeah. the danger of a single story. Yeah, it does. Um, trying to yeah bust that myth in schools and in young people's lives. So yeah, go support them or check out what they are about. So I feel like as we talk about the danger of this single story, it kind of plays into the story that we, the book that we read this month, which had many, so many stories in it to a point oh. of... Maybe too many. Too many stories. They all pretty no. much lined up and just told, like, the really sad tale of ugly people. Anyways, yeah. Laura, what book did we read? We read Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. So, a little introduction to this book. Mary Shelley was with some of her writing friends with Lord Byron mm-hmm. and Someone named Claire and someone named Percy. <laughs> Jay Chillin. I don't... Percy's her I husband. Know, I don't really... <laughs> oh, okay, fine. Her freaking husband. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Who gives a... Listen, it's Mary Shelley, all right? Girl power. Yeah. And they were on some vacation, and then they were like, let's have a contest about who can write the spookiest ghost story. Wow. And basically, she freaking blew him out of the freaking water, y'all. Yeah. Sorry, Lord Byron. And it's written by a woman. Yes. So let's also snaps for that. I would mm-hmm. snap, but I cut my thumb and it hurts real bad. I'll do it for you. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, and this was also like the 1800s, so that really is for a woman to write this and also for everyone to like appreciate it. Mm-hmm. That's a feat, y'all. Yes, and it's also, it's kind of uh, recognized as one of the first science fiction novels, too. So it's, it breaks a lot of different boundaries, not just those social ones. Um, I'm going to read the blurb. Luckily, blurb. The blurb is short. <clears throat> this edition is the original 1818 text, which preserves the hard-hitting and politically charged aspects. Why is it talking about just this edition? That's what happens when books are rolled. There's too many different yeah. versions. Okay, I think I found one that's like... Sorry, y'all. This totally doesn't count as our time because obviously I'm going to cut this out. All right, I'm just reading the quickest, quickest blurb on Wikipedia, okay? We got to change it up, folks, because this book is so old that no one can ever just write a clear description. They got to talk about all the reprints and all the whatevers. So, this is what Wikipedia says. Frankenstein, or the modern Prometheus, is an 1818 novel written by English author Mary Shelley that tells the story of Victor Frankenstein, a young scientist who creates a sapient creature in an unorthodox scientific experiment. And blurb. Yeah, okay. So, when I was trying to write this summary, it was so hard, and now I know that not even, like, Wikipedia has achieved it. So, it is a story about Victor Frankenstein, this guy who's just so darn smart, and he goes to college, and he creates... He brings life to an inanimate body, and then he immediately regrets it because apparently it's ugly, 
apparently it's horrifying but he just runs he runs out of the room he runs away and then he's surprised when the creature escapes and it creates a lot of problems and this creature eventually kills his brother his best friend his wife but who was also mm. his sister and we'll go into that. We'll get to that and later. I think, I don't remember if he killed anybody else. By the end of the book, he's just chasing him around the globe, trying to kill him. But this creature is just so strong and fast that it's not working. But the so book strong, so picks fast. up with this random guy, Walton, who decided to adventure to the North Pole. Not for any reason specifically, just to go find something. And he runs across Victor, who is on like an iceberg and about to die, and picks him up. And they become best friends. But then Victor spills his life to him, and that's when the book picks up. So it's a listen, it's a long story. But it ends with Victor just dying of poor health. And then the monster pops in and is saying, Well, I don't feel any better for him dying. Now I'm gonna go die myself. And that's the end of the book. Everybody goes home. And then we get a little and then like we get another short part about uh, from the point of view of the monster. Mm-hmm. And it is a himself. sad story. It the the monster has a hard time of it, you know? Yeah, it really, it really pulls a joker on us and makes us mm-hmm. see the side of the what may some people may say is the antagonist point of view. So it really makes yeah. an anti-hero out of him. I hope you guys are okay after that mind-blowing summary. <laughs> did you read this book in high school, or did we just pick this because it was a spooky time? For this I think we picked it because it was yeah a spooky classic. But I think I was also looking for a romantic era author, and this kind of qualifies. And do you know what romantic books are? No. Okay, like it's not I rom- know English major. Neither am I. <laughs> so romantic- okay, well, I just don't have the general knowledge. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Okay, romantic books—they're not about romance. They're like characterized by talking about emotions a lot, like a lot, a lot, and nature. And this qualifies both. He talks so much about his feelings and his sadness and his friend's sadness, and about the mountains. Well. Why don't we just jump into those unanswered questions? And I'm going to begin. All right. Because we talked about how the structure of the story is pretty windy, windy, woundy. And it's because it's a framed structure story. So it's like a story within a story within a story. And then it takes you out of all three of those stories. It's kind of like in The Grand Budapest Hotel, directed by Wes Anderson. (laughs) And so... Why? Mm-hmm. Just to confuse us? Like, I guess it helps with the multiple narratives, but you also could have done, like, part one. Mm. Captain Walton. It. I. Um, yeah, I struggled to really find what purpose it served. Because, and, like, Walton doesn't have any influence on the other parts of the story. He's kind of like a Nick Carraway character from The Great Gatsby, where his only purpose is to like per- is to perceive the main character yeah. and to basically be like, oh, I love him so much, so you have to you have to believe he's a good guy. It could have started with Victor Frankenstein saying, I'm on this journey, and here's how I got here, and then ended with him like, and I'm still on this journey now, mm-hmm. and now I'll die. And then we just switched to Frankenstein, and Frankenstein's like, yep, he's dead, I'm sorry, I'm sad. Yeah. I'll kill myself too. I mean, I guess like with Walton, you do have a definitive beginning and the end. Like he's kind of sort of in control. Like he's like, this is when the story begins. This is when it ends. But also his st- tale is also very windy because his parts are told yeah. in epistolary with like letters to his sister. Ugh. So the first four letters are just him being like, yep, I left the shore today. Or like, yep, mm-hmm. I bought some, I bought a boat and it's going to be fun. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 
When I first listened to this, <laughs> I probably re-listened to the beginning, like, 17 minutes, like, three or four times. Because I was like, oh, no, I'm going to understand what this book is. And I was just like, what the fuck is going yeah. on? I was Why like, who are you? <laughs> talking about a boat. Who? Where's the monster? What's happening? And then he just, he talks about how much he wants a best friend and how sad he is he doesn't have a best friend. And then he finds this man on a, an iceberg. <laughs> he's like, best friend? This is the best friend I've been looking for. It's cute and wholesome, but it's also like the first guy you find out in the wild. It's also like, it's wholesome right until the end where it's like, oh shit. So they're like on the ship and then it starts sinking. And Walton's crew is like, better escape and not die. And then Frankenstein is just like, you fucking cowards. You stay on this boat and you go down with the ship. And yeah. I'm just like... Whoa, your best friend is a little little radical, okay, y'all? Just yeah, he's a little he's being families. a little abrasive to your crew whose safety you're responsible for. Yeah. But, all right. <laughs> I think though, I'm wondering would I really pity Victor as much? Cuz okay, his his tale is a sad one. Cuz like to recap, he has a great childhood. He like loves his parents, his best friend is the best person, human being in the world. His they adopted this girl Who's so, so, okay, and this is kind of weird, listeners. So she's his sister, but everybody wants them to get married, including them. And also, she was adopted, so technically, you know, not sister and brother by blood. Yes, correct. So, but it's, you know, anyway. (laughs) But I've always wondered that because it's not like they grew up together and took baths together but even if they did like where's the line yeah that's another question where's the line guys when can you marry your quote-unquote sister i think it's just strange that the whole family and the whole town is just like now we want you to get married like there's no question about like yeah i think that is the weirdest part because like on like his when his mom is dying his mom is dying from some illness on her deathbed she's like it was my it is my greatest wish that you guys get married um that's a lot of pressure (laughs) to put on young people Especially as your dying wish. I mean, even if they do want it themselves, they are their own people. Also, the snow is now getting fluffier. It's getting oh, yeah. also, into bigger clumps. We're so, at 39 minutes and 12 seconds. We are doing a whole bit of time. Oh yep. my god. The last time we checked in, it was 10 minutes. I know. I didn't do a good job. I got carried away. We were talking. Okay. Oh yeah. So he has. I don't think I would feel as much pity for Victor if I hadn't seen him through Walton's eyes first, honestly, because Victor had a great childhood. And then he goes to college and he gets so wrapped up in his like philosophy or whatever that he and he really wants to make this creature, you know, bring life to something that's not alive. And then when he does it, he regrets it immediately and runs away. So then the creature escapes and he doesn't know where it goes, but then it torments him like every day after that. Well, he so doesn't I'm even like, go looking for it. Or, I mean, like, he kind of no. does, but not really. He's just like, oh, no, it's gone. And it's like, well, not my problem anymore. Yeah. Like, really. You think your sentient being that you created mm-hmm. isn't going to, like, have any repercussions now that it's now that you don't know where it is? Yeah, you um, don't think it's going to do anything? Yeah, it's just it baffles me. And, I'm, I mean, even with Walter's perspective, I'm like, what are you doing? But I, he, it does bring some pity to see that he's so, like, remorseful at the end of his story. Yes. And I was, okay, another unanswered question I have is, for some reason in my head before reading the book, I was like, oh, yeah, Frankenstein's monster's weakness is fire. But then I was like, in the book, there's a part where he's hiding in some, like, hovel because everyone's so, he's so ugly to everyone that they all want to kill him instantly. Yeah. But he, like, builds himself a fire, and he builds, like, 
the family yeah. that he's staying with secretly, they don't know he's there, but he, like, builds them fires, too, so then I'm like, okay, obviously he's not afraid of fire at all, and they don't know where I got this. Okay, yeah, I didn't really have, like unanswered questions i had more ones that were just like yeah how much do we pity the monster how much of his misery is his fault versus victor's fault you know like in the beginning it was kind of like victor is being cruel to this thing that he created Uh uh-huh and no wonder this monster is like it's feeling really misunderstood and it wants to belong especially when Mm -hmm. we get into the frame story of frankenstein's monster's perspective when he leaves the town and then is trying to find belonging and learns how to read from this family. Like, he's hiding from this family because he knows if he shows himself, mm-hmm. they will want to kill him because he's so ugly. They make it, like, a clear point that he's so ugly that everyone wants to kill him. Which is his um, own problem, but, you know. <laughs> but that's just whatever. Um, but as he's hiding out, he learns from this family and, like, is invested in their lives as much as he can be. And he learns how to read and talk in order to communicate with this, these other people. So then you're like, oh, that's kind of sweet. Mm-hmm. And then when he finally reveals himself, exactly what he thought would happen happens, and they're like, you're ugly, and we will kill you because yeah. we're scared. So then I'm just like, oh, well, that's kind of sad. But then he does, like, very intentionally murder. Oh, so he blames Victor for a lot of these problems. And so Victor does have, like, obviously, he brought this creature to life. Okay, um, we're at 45 minutes and 39 seconds, but we're going to go on. Sorry, y'all. My bad. Um, He talks a lot about how if anybody at any point had shown me any kindness, I would have shown them kindness. But I've only been shown... What is the opposite of kindness? I've only been shown unkindness. So, like, that's not a good thing, right? Like, oh, I'll only be nice to people if they're nice to me first. Like, that's not going to work. If Victor was his creator, like, how much of the creature's actions is Victor responsible for? Anyway. And I was going to say, so, like... Later on, we've moved on into takeaways and judgments. Yes. I hope you <laughs> everyone, dear listeners. Um, We're just that smooth in our transitions. We were going so fast. I yeah. don't even know if there will be transition music. They won't be because that will cut in on too much time. Mm-hmm. Um, so eventually we develop some empathy towards the monster because yeah. the monster is try- trying to make all this effort to make human connection and really just wants to belong and you see that. But then it just turns a little sour because... He confronts Victor and he's like, you will make me another person like me and it will be a woman so I can love her and then I can make babies and I won't be alone. The way he sees it, if I want to be long, I'm obviously too ugly for the human eye, so I'll just mm-hmm. have another person in of my likeness. But yeah. then our friend Victor Frankenstein turns out to be the little feminist and he's mm-hmm. just like, I can't do this because one, I don't want to be responsible for yet another soul to wreak havoc on this world that's so ugly. But two, he's like... I could create this creature, and there's no guarantee that this woman monster is going to love this creation, because guess what? It's like a whole mm-hmm. individual that I'm creating, also with autonomy, that I can't control, neither can the monster. So, you know. Yeah, he even says, like, he's, like, we've made this compact with the monster, but she has not agreed to it. Like, she might not mm-hmm. want to do what he wants to do, and, like, go and live in seclusion from humanity. What time are we at now? We are at 54 minutes. Great. <laughs> okay. Yep, we're making great time. All right. Any other takeaways? Oh, we know, and I know we have so many, so that is a really a rhetorical question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like also a, one of my biggest takeaways of this was just 
how ugliness can really just F up your whole life and all your opportunities. Because, except in the book, they didn't ever say really ugly. They just said wretched. Literally, right. that was just like, listening to it, <laughs> that was the buzzword. It was like, and it was simply wretched. And he was simply wretched. And yes. I was simply wretched. I'm like, oh, oh my wretched. gosh. Everything just say ugly, y'all. They didn't really describe the creature's appearance until later. I think they really alluded to just it looking unnatural. But they, like, really mm-hmm. expressed it more on people's reactions. Like, oh, they put their eyes on him and immediately started to try to kill him. I forgot that, but they... I feel like that's a really common trope in, like, horror movies. Yeah. When you talk about a monster or something that's supposed to be really scary, you don't show it until the very end because whatever... Oh, yeah. The audience, or if you can, you if you can get away with it, you never show it at all, because the audience's imagination of what it is will always be scarier than what you put on screen. Okay. okay. Um, are you ready to go on to ratings? Yes, I am. Sweet. Yep. It's fine. We're already at a minute and five minutes. An, an hour and five minutes. A whole so minute. <laughs> a whole minute has gone by. <laughs> I... We'll give this a good a good six out of ten. Yeah, I maybe. would say about the same. Okay. Maybe like five. Because uh, here's what I'll say: like reading it, not that fun, not no. very fun. <laughs> Talking about it, more fun. Enjoyed yes. it. So, but I would not read this on my own again, or like even attempt to go back and try and understand more of it. Sorry, uh-huh. Mary Shelley, but it was really tedious, and I'm not a big fan of epistolary. Or framed stories, so yeah, I can't, I can't mm-hmm. do it. Yeah, like I said, like it raises a lot of good questions because, like, I mean, Victor's like, I would be the god of this new creature, and I'm like, that's actually kind of true. Like, what does that freaking mean? But if this was like for a class and there were class discussions and everything, I would, I would enjoy this. But on yeah. my own for pleasure reading, no thanks. No pleasure no was thing. derived from this experience. I yeah, me neither. I think um, it was creepy. It was scary. I'll say that. Four out of ten for, like, qual- like uh, the fun Actual reading. Of reading. But, yeah, eight out of ten for spoopiness. And I'll average that because I'm a math major down to six. And I'm not going to give a concrete answer. I'm just going to say, like, a four or a five out of ten. It was fine. But moving on to books that we would recommend. I'm going to recommend one that I talked about on the podcast last time. Pim Ooh. by Matt Johnson, which is also about like humanoid creatures they're not created but they are like discovered and i'm recommending this one because it addresses race head-on which is not something that this book does it was the 1800s so we'll cut mary shelley some slack in that that was not really a priority for most white people at that time and then it also has an interesting way that it structures the story because it goes it jumps uh back and forth through time a lot in a sense that it's kind of really confusing, but also keeps you pretty engaged. Mm-hmm. So, Pim by Matt Johnson. My book recommendation is The Golem and the Ginny by Helen Wecker. Uh, it's like a fantasy novel set in, I think, the 20s New York City. Nope, never mind. 1899. It says so on this little book. <laughs> oh, man, we were so close. 1899, um, we're just 20 years away from the 20s, baby. Yeah, so close. <laughs> so there's... The connection is that there's there's the golem, which is um, from Yiddish folklore, is like a, a clay person brought to life. And there's a lot more to it than that, but like that's um, the basic idea. And 
that her name is Chava, and then she is brought to New York by like her master. But he doesn't. He, I'll tell you, he dies. Um, so she <laughs> doesn't have a master for long. She just arrives. She has to figure out what to do because she's a golem. And then there's also Ahmed, the genie, who is a genie that like he was trapped in a object, not quite a lamp, and his like released in like a Syrian sub- like community in New York City and he's also trapped like he can't go home so they have their own problems and then their problems like mix up and then they become friends and it's actually a really good like a not romance it's a really good strong like platonic relationship and i appreciate those in literature media Okay, so now we're going to do what we are currently reading. Currently, I'm reading, actually, Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho. And this is actually my second attempt at reading it. The first time, I read the first chapter, and I was like, meh. But this time, (laughs) I bought it. And maybe it's because I invested actual money into it, but it's a lot more interesting. So I've gotten past the first chapter. It's, it's like, set in Regency England, and I I don't know what time of the timeline it was. But, so it's really old. And there's, like, magicians in England and the main character is black so he faces a lot a lot of racism in his society but he chooses to deal with a lot more with like being polite and trying to play by their rules whereas the deuteragonist or the other protagonist she's a lot more like no i'm gonna fight everybody i'm also currently reading a book that i started and never finished and now i'm in i'm going in for round two which is loving day by Matt Johnson again. Oh. And then I'm listening to Beastiery by K Ming Chong Chang. It's a multi-generational story about a Taiwanese family. Ooh. And like I said, I'm listening to it and so far I have mixed feelings. It is uh. pretty graphic in terms of the language, which keeps me engaged, but sometimes I'm like really not in the mood to kind of hear about her talk about like buttholes and like Oh. Oh. <laughs> and everything and I'm like I don't oh. know about this one but um got so, yeah. it but Laura what have you um what were you reading last time okay it's so frustrating because now the ebooks that I check out they mm-hmm. expire after a week so I haven't been able to finish a lot of books and now I have to buy them or get other copies who's going through a book a week I I'm trying yeah. to do that and it's not fucking working out y'all it's hard. Yeah, but and listen, I'm also very close to my goal. I'm at 51 books out of 52 for the year, <gasps> which is my reading goal. So I'm very close. Anyway, so since last time, I started and finished Anxious People by Frederick Bachman. And I freaking love Bachman's books. This one, I was a little more like, eh, four out of five. But it was still pretty good. It was kind of funny. Bachman, did Bachman do the bear one? Yes, he did Baritone. He's done A Man Called yes. Uwe. He does Bert Marie oh, Was Here. Yeah. He did... My grandmother t- said to tell you she was sorry. Listen, I love I love all these. So yeah, um, I finished. I managed to finish that one book, nice. as well as Frankenstein. I read the f- plays "The Chicken Coop Chinaman" and "The Year of the Dragon" by Frank Chin, who is an Asian American playwright. Um, unfortunately, so he's like super large in the Asian American like authors community, but mm-hmm. he's a raging like misogynist. So poo-poo Ugh. um i read or i listened to the world doesn't require you by rian amilcar scott i listened to idiot by laura clary i listened to becoming by michelle obama which was not Ooh. what i expected it to be it was really good 
I know, it was like nice and wholesome. I finished No Matter the Wreckage by Sarah Kay, which is a book of poetry. Know My Name by Chanel Miller, which I read for a book club, and it was so good, but also probably mm. not the book that a lot of people want to read right now because it is the story of the woman who was raped by Brock Turner. Mm-hmm. So it's got some like heavy themes in it. Um, I listened to Minor Feelings by Kathy Hong Park, which was also really good. Nice. Um, I know that's on your reading list. It is. I just haven't pounced. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I, I listened to it and rented it from the library, but it was so good. And then Dracula by Bram Stoker. I was listening around the same time as Frankenstein. That one's also super long. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have, like, framing or anything, but it's just long. I don't know if I'd recommend that one either. It was fine, I guess. And then The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas, Ooh, which was yeah, another good okay. one that I would suggest that's pretty topical in terms of, like, the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. But I'm done now. Nice. Booyah! Okay. Guess what time we're at? What? Tw- wait, uh, wait, wait, I want to guess, I want to guess. Uh, an hour and 32 minutes and 41 seconds. Oh my gosh, you were so close. An hour and 23 minutes and 22 seconds. Well, so as we wind down, I do want to mention, because the book that I was talking about, um, Minor Feelings by Kathy Hong Park, I said that it was on Laura's reading list, but I didn't just mean on her, you know, um, mental reading list, or, you know, like, some, like, non-existent fake reading list. We're talking about, like, an actual one. And, Laura, tell us about what exactly... I mean, so uh, bookshop.org is a bookshopping website where every purchase that you make supports independent bookstores. So they give 10% of the proceeds to independent bookstores, um, anyone who's signed up for the organization. And we have an affiliate bookshop. So that means that we've set up our own link. And if you go to this link, you'll find a book list of our um, current reads, the ones that we want to, the ones we've read for the podcast, and the ones we've recommended. Um, Mm -hmm. And every purchase you make through our link also gives us 10% commission. Just want to be clear about that. But you're also giving money to your independent bookstores and um, getting it sometimes at prices that can can be cheaper than Amazon, um, but also just generally good deals. Yeah, They're a pretty good website. I've ordered a couple books and I've been pretty happy with the service and everything. I will also say any proceeds that do go to us, like, you know, this 10% of whatever, uh, they're going 100% to the podcast because we actually do have things that we, we have, like, fees and stuff that we upkeep. Um, yeah. And I will also say, personally, I'm a big fan of Bookshop and supporting local bookstores because I have a huge mm-hmm. vendetta against Jeff Bezos. And if you're listening yes. to Jeff Bezos, you already knew this because I say this about everywhere I go, including around many Amazon Echoes who hear me all the mm. time. So, uh, check out... If if you don't check out bookshop.org, go to your local bookstore and yeah. check them out at the very least in honor of us. We'll be putting our TV re- to be read list on there too. So if you want to get us a gift, you know what we want. <laughs> yeah, you could doubly get us a gift by buying the book and then 10% of that goes to the podcast. Boom. Yeah. And then, as always, uh, we have an email and we have a Twitter and those yeah. are always open forms of communication that we welcome you to uh, communicate to us with via through. Oh, so our email is... Take it away, Laura. It's readingnotreading at gmail.com. And that is spelled R-E-A-D-I-N-G-N-O-T. 
R E A D I N G at gmail.com. Lovely. And our Ooh. Twitter handle is different. We tried to do the other one, but it was too long, and I'm furious about it still. I'm wretched about this. Twitter's wretched that they did not let us have <laughs> our OG handle. Our handle is at Red Not Read Pod, which is R E A D N O T R E A D P O D. So it's pretty similar, but slightly not similar at all. And then lastly, we are entering into November. So we're going to tell you to vote, and then we're going to tell mm. you about the next book we're going to read. Yeah. What so, is it, Laura? Well, first of all, vote. Second of all, it is The Absolutely True Diary of a Part Time Indian by Sherman Alexi. So join us next month. Have a great time wherever, whatever point in time you're listening to this, you know? Yeah. Yes, and I mean, listen, no matter what's coming for us, be safe and be well and take care of yourselves because we will get through this together. Peace out.